Hi everyone and thanks for tuning in. On this week's episode of Sprouting Minds with Andy and Annabelle, we welcome Annabelle's roommate, Kelly Smith. Kelly is a third grade teacher in the DOE and teaches at a Title I school. We hope you enjoy our conversation about what it's like teaching in a district with low-income families, teaching to the DOE standards, and Kelly's overall mission as a teacher. We hope you enjoy. Can you share, your school's also in District 12, it's a District 12 school. Can you share a little bit about what a District 12 school is? Um, also talk a little bit about like your demographic and what are the, like, and what are the types of things that your children are bringing into the classroom that might be a little bit different if you were working mm-hmm. at, let's say, a school where we met as a private progressive yeah, preschool on the Upper West Side. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I honestly don't know that much about other districts. Like, it's a Title I school, so, like, very low-income families. Right. It's definitely different than, like, where I grew up, and I know it's different than, um, like, where you guys teach. I think the kids are just in a different spot as far as like being ready to learn like their brains are just not necessarily like focused on fractions on a number line which you're trying to do today where it's just (laughs) like you know I don't know it's a very hard mind that just trump learning you know yeah and you're also working with a population that isn't English speaking. Yeah, it's a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, most of my kids speak pretty good English, but their parents do not, and it's not spoken at home for Mm -hmm. the most part. So what is it like having families who aren't English? Like, how is that parent communication like? Um, It's very difficult. Um, I mean, I rely a lot on Google Translate, Mm -hmm. which is not the most accurate. But it's what you have. But it's what I have, you know, it's what I do. Um. And it makes phone conversations harder. It's mostly email or texting, which is less personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of parents are very hesitant to come to the school because they're like intimidated that they don't speak English or embarrassed that they don't speak English. So, but, and I know a lot of parents don't want to respond back to me in Spanish because they're embarrassed, so then they don't respond at all. And so it just, it makes the parent communication a little bit. You have to put in a lot more effort to, like, reach them, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what, and not necessarily your school, but the community can do to help these families who might not have access to resources that are helping these children, you know, come to school ready to learn. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there should be, I mean, there should be translators in the school, I think. And a lot more. I wish there was more Spanish-speaking staff. I mean, I, I can understand Spanish pretty well, but, like, I can't speak it. and I mean, there are, I mean, there's obviously staff in my school that speak it, but percentage-wise, not not a lot. And it's like not someone who could necessarily be available at the drop of the hat to come. Right, exactly, like, exactly. So I think that would come a long way. And I, I mean, I always said there should be like, a school should offer like English classes or like even Spanish classes for teach. Like, I don't know, just some sort of. To bridge that gap. Yeah. yeah. School. I, I mean, I think that would help a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it'd help a lot. Yeah. <laughs> At least get parents to the school, you know, like right, get right. them inside. Mm-hmm. And make them feel more comfortable and know that they're not the only ones that might not be able to effectively communicate because of a language gap where you are experiencing mm-hmm. the exact same thing with yeah. them. Yeah, that's tricky. Yeah, it's sad. I, I know I had parents, there was one year where I couldn't get a translator for a conference and she came in and she couldn't speak English and... I was wait, waiting for a translator, and she was waiting for so long, and I felt so bad, and she just kept apologizing, like, I'm so sorry, she's like, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to learn, and I'm like, no, like, 
Uh, you know, I, I don't know Spanish either. Like, it's two way street. You yeah. know, but it's sad. Yeah. And what kind of, if children, I mean, you know, as we said, we work at, we worked at a progressive preschool in Upper West Side. Like, it was pretty, you know, easy for us to find services for children right. and resources for the children in your school who might need services. Right. We were getting an ICT classroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what is, what, what does that look like for them? Yeah. I mean, Getting a child evaluated is extremely difficult because there's not enough resources. So, like, for example, if we have a, a child who's 9 p.m. or trying to get their IEP all set up um, and speech teacher's booked, they're like, nope, this kid's on the IEP. It doesn't matter if they think that the child needs it. They know they're, they're not going to be able to receive it. There's just not enough room so in even the if schedule. like something happened for the next year and it was still on their IEP and something like could open up that they're not even gonna have the opportunity to because it wasn't in the Right. Time. So it's just there's not there's not enough staff available and it's that the scheduling and the staff is what trumps actually like what the child needs in and a lot of cases. And it sounds like also parents might not be able to, you know, advocate for their children as could Right. Getting um, services and I put up like banging your head against the wall because it's like they always they just they put the kids in, in ICT and it's like great like, two teachers is definitely helpful but like also we're not miracle workers like if your child needs OT like we can't, we can't do I mean, I mean I'm not qualified to provide and you're that. also and again a public school that has very large class sizes yes so like great but what you've had 30 plus kids in your right. room here like right. how much individualized attention are you able to give children who need the extra support when you have 30 plus kids to focus exactly on? and to be honest the kids who have IEPs are not always the ones who even need the most support right. you know it's like every single kid has it right. needs something something you know so it's not like there's only four kids with right. IEPs that and like so you could focus <laughs> on it's like no you can divide and conquer. right like there's a lot of them so yeah. It's so it's so tough, and trying to get services for children in general, yes. no matter what district, is just challenging in itself. And yeah, that sounds really yeah. Like you know, they're so backed up for testing too, where it's like it takes a year for a kid to get tested, and there's only one person at the school who works part time who does the testing. testing. So you know, it just it takes forever. Um, I have mixed feelings about it. I think a lot of the skills we teach for testing is super important when I just think about them going into high school and who takes the SAT and the regents and, you know, whatever other testing you take. I think those skills are super important. Like, when they come to third grade, you know, they don't know what a multiple-choice question is. So it's like teaching those strategies, I think, is super, super important, and I like that aspect of it. Um, But I think the actual state test is very difficult and unnecessarily difficult. I think that's my issue, where it's like, you can give them a test, but it's just, it's not aligned to what we teach them on a daily basis. Or what they might be able to learn or gain in a short period of time to have them. Especially right. with all these external factors that they're dealing with. Right. I mean, there's some state test questions that, like, 
me and my co-teacher sit there and we're like, we think we are safe, but I don't know. We went to Syracuse, we should be okay. We both have our master's degrees and we're like, oh, we can see. Wow. So, like, it, it's hard. It's a hard cast. Yeah. And your your class, are they all, are all the children kind of on the same learning path or are they, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. No. And, you know, I, I mean, I have kids reading on the level, like a kindergarten reading level. And then I have kids, I just tested one girl's reading level today and she's on like a fifth grade reading level now. So like big, big gaps. And where, like, quotations, like where should they be in third grade? Like where should they, what reading level should they be entering the year and where should they be staying? They should enter at a level M. Okay. And then they should leave at a level Well, I was like, I had to, I, so four, like, they have to, they're supposed to jump four reading. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you have kids all over the spectrum. All over, yeah. So that's really easy for you to manage. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And do you feel that your school in itself, like, has enough resources to help you and your co-teacher? No. No, definitely not. Or more material. Yes, definitely not. Budget. We don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I think a lot of people don't realize yeah. us yeah. as educators do, and we're three young educators, we're not millionaires, and, you know, we're yeah. just trying to spend money and provide for these children. Wow. So, long question. What are your thoughts on the DOE? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's way too big. Yeah. I think, and it's, I think it's just impossible to manage so many schools and so many different schools under one, I mean, I know there's principals yeah. and superintendents, again, you know, there's, there's but people lower, but it's all under this one umbrella that I think, you know, when the chancellor starts, is talking, he's like, they just, they, they can't know all these schools, and I think that's a, a big disconnect in the DOE, and I think it's, it's so hard to, like, just get a hold of a per like there's not a person it's all computer and it's all it's just it's too big right in order to get to someone you have to jump through hoops right and you can't you just you still right. if you have a question time. you can't i can't just ask my principal because then she has to ask superintendent who has to ask this right whatever has to ask, you know yeah. it, it, it's just ongoing it's ongoing and no one can actually like no one's on the same page talk to anybody and you know it's a, it's a mess yeah it's a mess been at the school yeah. since you as long as you've been yeah, teaching it's five years yeah. yeah i mean when i first started i think i kind of figured i would do it for a little bit just kind of like say i did it and then like move on to like a, like a better school mm-hmm. but like the more i'm there like kind of stuck like i kind of like it like i just i don't really see myself leaving do you feel connected to the community now yeah you've been there for so long mm-hmm. definitely yeah i'm comfortable there and it's like you know I, I have never been to another DOE school, so I don't know. But I, I can imagine that they all have similar problems. Right. So I don't really see why I would go somewhere else to deal with something 
very similar, right. you know, yeah. like, I like the demographic right. I work with, so it's like, I would go to another school in the Bronx, so I just don't see, see why you would move. Yeah, right. I don't really see myself I'm not looking moving. for a big enough change for it to seem worthwhile. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. When you walk into the school year, what's your kind of hope for students? And it doesn't necessarily... Your student. My students. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't necessarily need to be academically speaking, just your goals in general. I mean, honestly, I just, I want them to, like, enjoy coming to school, and I want them to learn something. Like, even if it's not necessarily, like, yeah, or, like, yeah. what they're supposed to be learning, quotes, in third grade, I want them to, like, walk away with, like, something that, like, in third grade, I learned this. And and be excited to, like, be there. Yeah, I think that's pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a common thing for all educators. We want our kids to yeah. enjoy learning and not come to school find it to be a safe haven, yeah. place for them to feel loved and supported, especially with so. kids who don't, we, I mean, a lot of it comes to such inconsistencies at home, yeah. like, I think it's just pretty invaluable. For me, I feel like they could learn anything at any point if they're interested in it, right. but they have to be interested in it, so, right. like, if I can make them interested in something where, like, they want to go home and learn about it, right. or, like, in a couple of years, they remember learning about oh, dolphins, right. and right. they're like, oh, and, like, then they want to look it up, you know, it's like, that's more important to me than like the actual number line. Right. How many pieces? <laughs> One. No. <laughs> fractions are tricky. Okay. Oh god. She's <laughs> been teaching fractions it's not, no. for months. When I tell you I have a circle split into two pieces, and I'm like, how many pieces are there? One, five, six, ten, one, three. Oh, like, Stop! Stop! The like someone say two. Like by accident. By accident. <laughs> Let's count together. So yeah, that's the that's not my goal because that's never gonna happen. But <laughs> we have realistic goals. Yeah. But like the other day we were talking about quadrilaterals, like oh, four sided shapes. And they're like they're they're sitting in their desks all day and we're like, why don't we go on like a quadrilateral hunt? We're gonna walk around the school and we're gonna look for quadrilaterals. And when I tell you they were so excited <laughs> spoiler, there's a lot of quadrilaterals in the school. <laughs> it's pretty much all rectangles. <laughs> but they were just like so excited and then I teach after school, so they go home and then they go and log on the computer with me. So it's like a virtual like after. a virtual after school. One of my students was like, Miss Smith. I saw so many quadrilaterals on my walk home today. Oh, <laughs> like, you know what? Like, that was fun. Is that the most important yeah. thing? No. No, they can correctly identify. But, like, you know what? Right. Like, I about it. And you built a nice connection from in school and home because on their walk home, they're like, ooh, we did this in school. I'm going to do it again. Their parents are probably like, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, kid. Like, there's there's another the one. door. <laughs> wow. But stuff like that where it's like, okay, like, they want to come back to school tomorrow because they want to look, I don't know, they want to look for more quadrilaterals. Really public school? Because obviously coming from progressive places, we just kind of like, yep. they're interested in whatever and we, we, we with roll it. with it. I mean, no, because we have curriculums that we need to follow. So it's like, you know. And you have a test. And you, right, you have a test. So it's like, if lesson one is on finding the main idea, it's like, that's what you have to do. But I think at my school, we particular we have a little bit more freedom as to like how we get there as long as we could like justify it you know so if the principal's like oh why are you doing this like if we have a reason like it's okay. it's fine you know as long as the teaching point is what it's right. supposed to be right. for that day 
But I mean, if they're interested in quadrilaterals, like we can't do that the next day. Like it's over. You know, we got to move on. (laughs) You can do this in your free time. Right. Cool. Well, where do you see yourself in the future? I guess. I mean, you know, educational wise, like what do you want to do? What kind of impact you want to leave? I guess. Make leave. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't want to be a principal. I don't want to be any sort of like administration. Like, Like, I like the classroom. Like, I like having my class. I don't want to do any pullout services. Like, I I see myself just being a classroom teacher for a long time. I don't see that changing really. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining. It was cool to hear a DOE perspective. It's very different. Yeah. Oh, anytime. Anytime. You know, my living room is literally your living room, so <laughs> literally anytime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.